back to Lend Me Your Ears. So I am, uh, I'm actually recording this episode before last week's has even aired, so I don't know what kind of uh, uproar that one caused. Um, hopefully it didn't ruffle too many feathers here in the industry, but I mean it from a place of love. I love this industry and I don't want to see it uh, watered down in any way, um, but yeah, we'll see how that turns out. Uh, I'm going to build on that with this week's episode, though, because, like I said, certification does not make you an expert. Passing a test does not make you uh, great at your job. It just doesn't. So the, the next question, obviously, is, well, how do you create a good chimney sweep? How do you become great in this industry? And I don't really have the the exact answer. Everybody's still looking for it, but I have some experience to share with you. And it's going to be interesting because uh, what I have is that chimney sweeping is like math. You're probably like, what? What does that mean? I'll get to it. Uh, just hang on to that for a little bit. Um, last week, I was out uh, working in the field. We had a bunch of uh, people sick in our company, and I was filling in uh, as a technician for one of my leads. And throughout the whole day, we were talking about this, this what we're talking about here, how to train technicians, how hard it is. We were talking about his journey through the, the company and the industry so far, and uh, we were just kind of talking back and forth. And he said that. He goes, chimney sweeping is kind of like math. I was like, what? <laughs> but uh, he's been in the industry about a year, all with my company, he started brand new, and he's already running a van. Um, and I was talking about how hard it is to train him and his coworkers and other people that have been through my company. Uh, and he was agreeing with me that, uh, what I said last week is true. Chimney sweeping isn't something you can learn from a book or a slideshow or taking a class or gaining a certification badge. It's just not, um, I have trained tons of technicians over the last seven years, several different ways, um, I was trained personally, and I've told this story before, but uh, I was trained at my first job by a guy that had been doing this job for 15 years when I started working for him. He had no actual training or education. He bought it from someone else who was retiring, so he just took over the company from them. Not really knowing a whole lot about the industry, he learned it through library books. He would go to the library and research chimney sweeping and uh, learned everything that way. You know, he's kind of self-taught. And he did it for 15 years and had a very good company uh, by the time I started working with him. But we didn't get certified until I had been working for him for four years. And at that time, he had about 20 years of experience when we took that test. But like I said last week, passing that test in the hotel changed nothing for our business. It was literally just we kept doing the same work, except now there was a new sticker on the van door. That was it. So uh, I've told you the stories about how that ended up for me. Uh, not knowing my knee from my elbow, going out and starting my own company, almost burning a house down because I didn't realize how little I didn't or how little I knew. Right. So when I started training my techs, um, I, I vowed to do better. I was like, I'm I'm not just going to stick them in a hotel room and take a test they had to study for on their own. I'm gonna I'm gonna give them as much as as much help as I can. So my first three technicians that I got certified, uh, I gave them a a subscription to two different online training platforms. You you probably know those platforms by name. I'm not going to go into that because that doesn't matter. What matters is I gave them these two different platforms and I said, here, here's all the education you're going to need to get certified. Go be better than me. So all three of them self-studied. Uh, they quizzed each other. They were uh, looking at it during work, after work, on their off time, weekends. Like They took it very, very seriously. And then all three 
took the CSIA certification test and all three passed. So I'm like, here we go. This is the right way to do this. At that time though, it by the time that they had taken that test, all three of them had been working for me for between one and three years at that point. And it was interesting to watch the three different reactions to getting that certification because in my company at that time, what that meant was, okay, you passed the certification test. All three of you can now run a van for Caesar Chimney. It didn't work out so well. <laughs> the same way it didn't work out uh, work out well for me. And what I realized is you need time in this industry before you can call yourself good or great or an expert, right? Just passing the test, whether you've been in for a year or three years or five years, you still only know as much as you've experienced has nothing to do with the test. The test is good. It will give you any test you take, any certification test is knowledge-based, right? How much do you know about temperatures or flu sizing or uh, codes? But that's it. It's just general knowledge. Doing this job is about how much you've experienced. And there's only one way to get experience, and that's time. You need time in the van on chimneys to get better at doing chimneys, which is where we come back to chimney sweeping is like math. Sounded weird when he said it, but when he explained it to me, I was like, oh my God, you're right. Think about what you studied in school, you know, reading, writing, history, math. Of all the subjects that you learn in school, all of them can be memorized. You can memorize definitions. You can learn how to read and you can, you know, study and memorize history and, and different dates and names. You can learn those educations. When it comes to math, though, you can't learn math unless you do it. You can't just study it, read a book and go, oh, so that's how you do geometry. Fantastic. And all of a sudden you're good at it. That's not how that works. The only way to get really good at math is to apply it, is to actually sit down and go over question after question after question and and build up that that experience with it so that you can move on and upwards through geometry, trigonometry, calculus. You got to move up through that. And every time you get really good at multiplication tables, you think you're amazing because you had that sheet with like 30 different questions on it. You went through and you got them all right. Now you're really good at multiplication, then came division. And then you got really good at that. And then came geometry. Now you got to deal with triangles and angles and all these weird numbers. And then you're going to move up into X's and Y's. And then it gets harder and harder and harder. But every time you move up through math, you can't just read about it and be good at it. You can't memorize something and be good at it. You get one of these massive polynomial trigonometry questions. You can't just look at it and go, oh, I know that one. I saw that one in the book last week. I remember the answer to that one. That's not how that works. You have to knuckle down, do the work, show your work and figure it out. It has to work out in the end. You have to find the answer through doing. And I'm like, oh my God, you're right. That's chimney sweeping. Too many of us think that we passed a test in a hotel room or a classroom, or we sat through one class 10 years ago and we learned how a fire burns and how a flu reacts. And we think that we've seen enough. We've watched enough YouTube videos or listened to enough podcasts that now we've, we've made it. We got it. Let's do it. And it's not true. It's not anybody that's been in this industry a long time can tell you we're still learning every day about our trade, about our companies, about our employees, about how to do things better. Let's take liners, for instance, right? 
we've all hopefully seen, experienced, done something with chimney liners at this point. But how many liners, how many liner jobs does it take before you're good? Before you've made it, before you can go out there and just do them with your eyes closed, right? How many, how many liner jobs? 20, 50, 100? I don't know. See, it depends on the experience at those jobs. There's no two chimneys that are the same. That's what makes this job beautiful and adventurous and different every day is we all know the definitions. We know what a flue tile is. We know what a smoke chamber is. We know what a top plate is. We know what a crown is flashing. We know the parts of a chimney. And we know that chimneys need liners. And that's what a test and a book will teach you. That when the liner goes, the code says you have to replace it. Okay, well, how do you replace it? Well, <laughs> there's any number of ways to fix a chimney. There was super flues and poured liners, and then they moved to stainless steel. Okay, so now you do stainless steel. How do you insulate it? Do you pour your insulation? Do you wrap it in the field? Do you get them pre-insulated? Right. As the, the deeper you dig into this one job, the more questions you get. How do you do it right? How do you do it effectively? So depending on how you were trained, depending on who you're working with, you can start going off any number of different roads on the quote unquote right way to reline a chimney. You might go to one class and they say you have to wrap it in the field. And another class says you have to pour the insulation. Well, I've seen poured insulation done a number of different ways. Some people pour it right into the chimney chase. Personally, I think that's wrong. Why? Because I've gone out to a bunch of jobs where the chimney has split down the middle from all of that insulation expanding and contracting, blowing the chimney wide open. It's supposed to go in the flue. Okay. Now you got a seven by seven flue with a six inch liner in it. How are you going to guarantee that you get all of that insulation one inch all the way around that liner to meet manufacturer specifications? I don't know. Now you got a ton of different ways to do that, <laughs> right? Or if you're going to wrap it in the field, are you using the right parts for it? Are you doing it the right way? You're wrapping it tight enough if you're doing it yourself. If you order it from a manufacturer and they pre-wrap it, right? There's so many different ways to do this job. And we haven't even got to the actual work yet. We haven't even got to putting that liner in the chimney. I was never taught how to remove flue tiles. Never did. That's how I almost burned a house down. My first job as Caesar Chimney is because the guy that I worked for, that was experienced. I'm going to put those words in air quotes. He was experienced with 15 years, but his experience was learned from a library book. How old was that book? I don't know. Did he read it 15 years in? Did he read it five years in? I don't know. All I know is he learned on his own something from a book and then he went and applied it. I can tell you that that didn't include removing tiles because we didn't. We were really good at dropping liners inside existing tiles. I mean, who's not? Who, can, who can't drop a liner in a straight shot flue? Anybody can. That's what we did. So I never knew how to remove. I never knew that you were supposed to insulate liners, let alone how to. That was never taught to me. But I was certified. Remember that. At this point now, when I'm working for Caesar Chimney, I had five years of experience and a badge on my sleeve and a sticker on my van. So I'd made it, right? And I go out there and, and do a really shitty job of, of keeping somebody safe. That, that haunts me. And I keep bringing that up to drive this point home that you don't know what you don't know. And a badge on your shirt and a sticker on your van doesn't change that. Passing a test in a hotel or at the end of a class doesn't change that. You might know some things, but there's so much more to learn about this industry. And just when you think you've made it, there's more to learn. So let's talk about removing liners or removing flue tiles to put liners in. Some people don't. There's people right now, minutes away from my shop that, that are certified, that have reputable businesses. There's stove shops right down the street that to this day are still doing what I was doing 
when I started my business. Dropping liners inside of bad tiles with no insulation. There's a stove shop down the street here that called me up. And they said, you did an estimate for a customer. And you gave them a really high number. They didn't like it. So they came to us and they want us to install the liner for the wood stove they bought from us. I said, fantastic. Why are you calling me? He goes, you see, the thing is I sent my guys out and we can't get the liner in. <laughs> like, I know this customer. And I, that doesn't surprise me because the pictures I have of that job are the tiles are completely blown apart in pieces and they're blocking half the flu in a numer- in, uh, number of different places. He goes, right, right. So that's why I'm calling you. Uh, how do we get tiles out? And I'm like, you've been in business for 30-something years. You have it all over the signs on your truck and your 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 storefront. And you're calling me? You What do you mean? You, and I didn't say that to him. I'm thinking that. I'm like, you don't know how to remove tiles? I'm like, well, I mean, you, you break them or you can pull them. We have two different tools. And it, remo- it involves taking the top of the chimney off to gain access to it. And you have to uh, either pull the pieces out of the bottom or out of the top. And, you know, you have to use your tile-breaking drill. And he's like, can 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 you come to the shop? Can you come over here and see me? I'm like, yeah, I can. I, I blew his mind. Me at that time having a business for four years, him with his 30 plus year business, and I'm teaching him something he didn't know. So I get over there and I said, I start talking to him and I said, uh, you got to remove these tiles. They're covered in creosote. You can't drop a liner in there. It'll explode. It'll burn. I've done this. I actually have physically done this and seen how bad it can be. I said, so we started talking and I said, do you guys inspect these chimneys? He goes, no, we just go with whatever the homeowner tells us their chimney is. I'm like, okay, that homeowners don't usually know what's inside a chimney. I do that for a living too, but they're taking their word for it. It's like, let's, what do you do if you get there to put a six inch liner in and the flue tiles aren't big enough? What do you do then? Oh, we just drop it down to a five. I'm like, you, you, you can't do that either. It says it in the manual for the stove you're selling and installing that it has to be a six. He goes, well, yeah, if it doesn't fit, we just drop it down. I'm like, oh my God. I'm, and this is happening. I'm telling these stories not to, to rip on this one company or all these other companies, but people listening to this podcast right now are probably going, yeah, we do that. I know it. I've seen it. I've talked to companies and they tell me how much their quote unquote experience brings them. I see it with fireplace liners all the time. Nobody wants to rip out fireplace liners. They're too damn heavy and big, and it's a mess to do. It's a hard job. So what do we see time after time from jobs where the house was just sold and they brought in the lowest bidder to reline the fireplace? Well, they dropped the liner that would fit in the flue. They don't know about uh, sizing it based on the ratio of the fireplace opening. They just go, oh, the tile's a 10 by 10, drop a 9, we lined it, let's go. That's their experience. And some of these companies carry a certification with them doesn't matter which one. I've seen CSIA companies. I've seen CCP companies, NCSG companies, NFI companies, fire people. I've seen it. The, the badge means nothing if your experience is all you're relying on to do the work. So why is it like math? Well, because you have to, if you go in and you've learned from somebody else how to do math and you look at a, a complex equation, knowing what you know from this person that trained you, you're going to do it their way. And math is funny because regardless of what anybody said over the last few years, there's only one right answer to math. Math is finite. Two plus two can only ever equal four. There's no other way to get around that. So when you're doing a problem with one right answer, why do teachers make you show your work? I always used to hate that as a kid. I'd be in school. I'm like, I got the right answer. Okay. And they're like, yeah, but you get half credit because you didn't show me how you got it. I'm like, what the heck does it matter? Well, it matters because there's a number of different ways to get to that number. The right answer is half the equation. 
It's half the answer. How'd you get there? I want to see what you did. In our industry, you have to show your work too. A lot of places you pull a permit and the building inspector wants to see when the tiles were removed. They want to see before the snout was connected. They want to see before the stove was installed. They want to see before the thimble was closed up. They want to see the work and they're going to stand out there and watch you do it. So usually they'll have you, they want to come out middle of the job, stop the job, have me come out, take a look, sign off on it, leave. Or you can do a really good job of documentation where you take a picture every step of the way. Here's how the, the flu looked before. Here's how it looked when we took the tiles out. Here's what it looked like when it was empty. Here's what it looks like when the liner was installed. Here's what it looks like before it was closed up. And here's the finished product. And if you show a really good report to an inspector, they'll let you know, hey, you got everything covered. Good. I saw your work. That's what makes our industry great is not the answer that you get. You might get the right answer. You might put a liner in. You might put a cap on. You might sweep a fireplace. That's half the answer. The other answer is, how'd you do it? Where have you learned your experience? Who taught you? Was it from a book? Was it from a library book? Was it from somebody that has been doing it their own way for 20 years? Was it somebody that's keeping up on the codes and they read the manufacturer's installation instructions and they, you know, where to come from? Show your work. Too many of us, if I asked you right now, show me how you put a liner in, half of you would be too scared to do it because you know that something's not right. And the other half would show it, not realizing that it's wrong. I fell into that category. I've fallen into both categories, actually. I know there's some jobs out there that if I ever go back to sweep it, I'm going to apologize and rip everything out for free and redo it because I know I did it wrong. I know it now. (laughs) I didn't know it at the time. There's also work that I've done where I thought it was right. To this day, my technicians go out to jobs that John Caesar himself did at Caesar Chimney Service they go out, the customer's called back for the third, fourth year in a row. They're they're very pleased with the service. They go out and my techs call me, John, you put this liner in, look what you did. And they'll send me a picture and I'll look at it and go, yep, I, I did that. And they're like, how could you do that? You, you, you know, with the podcast and the consulting and the certification and you're Mr. Chimney, how could you do this work? And I'm like, I didn't know any better at the time. So fix it, <laughs> do it right. That's humility. I screwed up. I The only reason that they know better than me is because I have learned that taking a test in a hotel or self-studying on an online platform does not an expert make. It doesn't. I, I don't know how else to put it. They, my new, my technicians now have the experience and the knowledge to recognize that the owner of the company screwed up. He's not perfect. And I'm not by any means daily at this point, I'm getting people going, look what you did. I also have a company uh, a mile down the road from me, a bunch of employees that have been fired or quit from Caesar Chimney Service that all went off and that company's growing by leaps and bounds. The problem is they either quit or got fired from Caesar Chimney for a reason. Maybe they thought that they could do it better. Maybe their attitude wasn't the best. There's a number of different reasons why that happens, but they've all kind of congregated and now they think that they're going to go replicate what they learned here. We're also running into their issues. We're running in daily to, hey, look what we found. It's one of these guys, one of those guys, again, because they weren't as trained as they thought they were. And that's my fault. That's not a them thing. They only know what I taught them. So these employees that were working for me back when I was doing subpar work now think that they're trained the same way that I thought I was trained from a guy that read library books for 15 years. Your experience is only as good as the work you can show. So back to the liners I was talking about. How many liners does it take to become an expert? I don't have an answer to that. It's different for every person, different for every company because every chimney is different. 
you could put in a hundred liners, right? And 50 of them get stuck on you somewhere in the middle. Mortar snots, tiles are shifted. They take a number of weird turns. Chimney wasn't built right. There wasn't a wythe in this one. The ash pit is too cramped or the floor wasn't the right height and the fireplace was built wrong. There's a, there's so many different ways a liner job can go sideways that if you've only ever done 20 liner jobs and now you're going you're gonna to go out and bid for them, you don't know enough. I'm going to tell you right now. If you did 100, 100 liner jobs, and you think that's enough. You're still wrong. Why? Because I've done thousands of chimney liners. And to this day, I will still get a picture or a call from my technicians where they go, what the heck do I do here? And I go, I have no idea. Because every job is different. Every builder was different. You could have an entire neighborhood, and I've seen this too, entire neighborhood of homes here built by the same builder within the same three, four month period. And we've done neighbor after neighbor and every single house built by the same guy is completely different. One doesn't have a wife at all. One has a wife that's too big. One has a flue that's too small. One has a flue that's too big. One has a chimney that has shoulders because they tapered in. One of them just goes straight up and stays six feet wide. The com- it, you, it's depending on the guy's mood, what materials he had, what day of the week it was. Masons are tricky individuals because they know bricks and they know mortar. A lot of them don't know chimney codes. They don't know that you're supposed to have a certain flue size for the fireplace. They don't know you're supposed to have a white. They don't know how the footing is supposed to be. They just don't know because they're masons. That's their job. You go into these houses trying to apply cookie cutter solutions. You can't. I have a really hard time writing SOPs for my company, not because I'm bad at writing SOPs, but because there's so much variation to everything. We tried writing SOPs for fireplace sweeping and you get a room full of people all giving different ideas and different experiences. And all of a sudden your SOP for fireplace sweeping is 10 pages long. (laughs) Well, if it's this, you got to do that. But if it's this, you got to, if it's on the first floor, it's on the bottom floor. If there's more than one flue, if there's only one flue, if the fireplace is, if the hearth is raised, if, if there's doors, if there, there's so many, if there's that giving an SOP for that impossible based on my (laughs) standards, I have very high standards. I want this thing to be right. My SOPs now are, Sweep the fireplace, make sure it's been swept. Take pictures before and after. You know, you have to, I have, I've had to go the complete polar opposite. I can't get detailed with them because there's no way based on all the differences. Same thing for putting in a liner. You could have done a hundred liners and had all of them get stuck and have all of them have issues. But what that does is it builds experience for the next one you go to. If you've only ever done one liner and then you do the second one, it's going to be completely different. Then you do a third one, completely different. The fourth one, something else goes wrong. The more experience you have doing the job makes you better for the next one. By your 50th one, you run into an issue. You're like, oh yeah, I had this issue. I remember, and we had to do this and you can now apply something that you've learned and see if it works. And you know what? Sometimes it will, sometimes it won't. I've had issues come up with putting in liners where I've put the same uh, solution at work and it works. And then all of a sudden I go out to a job, have the same issue happen, try the same solution and it doesn't work. I'm like, what do I do now? I got to figure it out. That's where the problem solving comes in. But my issue, what I'm getting at with this is my first three techs I trained through online subscriptions. They took their own studying materials and they took their own tests and they got certified. And I'm like, great, you know enough, go out in the field, let's go. And then I started to hire more and I started to hire more and the online wasn't working as much and they didn't have the right uh, 
self-motivation really to sit and study on their own. And all of a sudden we were getting varying results with the people that were taking the tests. And I'm like, okay. But at the same time as the new text, not getting the right information, the texts that were certified through taking their own test online are now running into issues they had never seen before because they were made leads too soon. I made them leads in my company because they passed the test. I fell right back into the same problem that I encountered at my other company. I thought they knew too much. They didn't because the test doesn't give you experience. So just because you know the flue sizing ratio from a fireplace to a clay liner doesn't mean you know how to remove it and install it correctly. Or just because you can repoint really well doesn't mean you can rebuild. And just because you can rebuild doesn't mean you can do flashing. And just because you can do flashing doesn't mean you know how to secure a cap properly. Experience is what matters. And I'm talking leadership experience now. As a technician, that's your job. Your job is to gain as much experience as you can to pay attention to the job as it's being done and get your head in those chimneys, figure out what the issue is and find out why it didn't work and find out why it was sized the way it was. And you have to be a part of it. You can't just show up and just kind of go through the motions and expect to be good at the job because if you're not paying attention, you're going to miss all the work that's being shown. And then when you become a lead, I have guys right now, honestly, that come to me and they're like, hey, I bit a fireplace. How do I do it? I'm like, excuse me? Like I've never done a fireplace liner before as a technician and I just bid one. So, you know, and the job's tomorrow. (laughs) So uh, how do I do it? I'm like, oh my God, that's a me problem. That's not a them problem. I'm putting people out in vans in the field too soon, strictly because they passed the test. Now you're seeing why I was so passionate. Last episode is I'm dealing with the ramifications of these mistakes right now. And I see it all throughout the industry through Facebook posts, social media questions that come directly to me. Too many people like, how do I go fast? How do I go fast? How do I get people? How do I train people? I want to train them and get them out in six months. I want to get them, work them, train them. And then in six months, they're running a van and then I can just replicate. I've done it. You can, you absolutely can. The issues you create down the road are bigger than you want to deal with. Somebody that's only been in six months and passed the test does not know a hundred different ways to put in a liner. They don't know the ins and outs, the tricks of the trade, the little you know nuances are going to hold you up. And that inexperience is going to create issues down the road because they're going to do one of two things. They're going to call you for help and now you got to slow down your day and take more time to do the job and explain it to them, train them on site, or they're going to fudge it. Because they don't want to show that they're less than, they don't want to disappoint you, so they're just going to figure it out and make it work. And now you're at the mercy next year when you go out, how good of a job did they do when you go out for that uh, repeat customer sweeping? I have it happen all the time. Hey, I'm, I'm out here at Mrs. Smith's and we did this liner. Uh, take a look at this picture. Why does it look like that? I'm like, oh God, I know what technician did it. And I'm never going to blame the technician. I don't care if they quit, got fired, started another company, still work for me, or if it's myself. It's not the technician's fault. It's the business owner's fault. It's how much training, how much experience did you give this person before they went out there and started giving estimates to fix something they have never done before or only done twice? That's dangerous. The only way to get good at being a chimney sweep is time. That's it. I had a, a technician... Uh, passed the certification test four months in. I already told you the story. Four months in, he's already passed the test, went off and started his own company because he thought he was an expert. That's on me. I made the test out and the certification out to be the be-all and end-all to it, when in reality, four months in and only passing a test that teaches how to sweep does not make you good at your job, whether you're working for me or yourself. It doesn't. He'll tell you the same thing if you ask him today. 
I've had technicians come in and they worked me for three years and they passed the test. And then they went out and they still were like, I have no idea what I'm doing because we put too much emphasis on passing a test and not learning on the job. So, and I mean, where you take the test, honestly, doesn't matter. Since the the first three that learned online and self-studied, every other technician after that, I have sent to the school in Indianapolis. I actually teach the school. The school is, I'm not saying the school is wrong here. I need to get that clear because I teach it and I send my guys to it every year on time. But even still, sitting through a week-long class, that's only five days. Sitting through five days of class and then taking that same test at the end that only teaches how to sweep and inspect does not an expert make. And I'm, I'm looking daily at the proof in that pudding. In the beginning, I, I thought the opposite. I'm like, hey, we're going to send you out to the school. Five days, you're going to get much more. You know, I learned in a hotel. These three guys learned on their own in their uh, laptops. You're going to do much better because you are going to go get five days of in-person training and then take the same test. And then when you get back, we're going to put you in a van. That didn't work either. Why? Because I was when I sent them mattered. How much experience did they have? How much did they actually know? They're all passing the test with flying colors because codes, because knowledge, because they they have the 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 uh, what is it? The knowledge itself. I keep saying knowledge, <laughs> but they have the the information, but they don't have the experience. So I'm sending guys out at six months in to get te- uh, certified, and they would come back acing the test, and I'm like, great, you know what you're talking about, get in a van, and they're like, I have no idea what I'm doing, right? And you see the issues that I've been having with that. Great technicians, smart technicians, they love their job, but now I'm putting them in a position of weakness, really. They have been told that you have this badge and you have this time and you're in charge of this van. And by the way, here's a technician and go out there and go bid all these jobs and go help people. And they have never seen some of these chimneys before. They've never seen some of these issues before. They don't know the codes. They don't understand. So now they're calling me. They're calling my managers. They're like, how do I do? What do I do? I'm not sure. And now they're out there unsure in a customer's home trying to make it work on the fly. Time matters. The only way to get good at being a chimney sweep is time. Why? Because you can't memorize codes and that's going to make you a good sweep. You can't memorize uh figures and facts it's not going to work the only way to get good at being this job is to treat it like math you have to do it you have to do it under supervision you have to do it under somebody that knows more than you for a while that's the only way to get good at it after all this time i'm still sitting here daily getting questions and pictures of things i've never seen before and i'm having to make it up and problem solve so chimney sweeping is also like nursing you're like, what? How is he? He's bouncing all over, but follow me on this. I've always loved this analogy because a friend of mine is a nurse. And we were talking one day and she goes, you know, there's so much to nursing. I'm like, yeah, I, I bet. She goes, no, you don't. <laughs> you have no idea. The books on on diseases and ailments and issues and medicines, she goes, there's books after books and volume after volume. And she goes, no doctor, no nurse anywhere knows all of the diseases and all of the, the remedies. I'm like, yeah, I can see that. She goes, all a doctor or nurse knows what they study. Doctors and nurses don't study diseases and ailments. Some do. Most doctors and nurses study the human body. Because what they want to do is they want to learn how a perfect human body is supposed to operate. Where is the blood supposed to go? How is this supposed to connect? Where is this supposed to lead? You know, the old knee bone connected to it, right? They learn that. They learn what is the perfect human body supposed to look and act like. Then when you go to the doctor, 
the doctor comes in, they always ask you those weird questions. You're like, you know, my arm hurts. And he goes, oh, good, good. How long has it been like that? You know, like, okay, you know, days, weeks, whatever. Okay. Does it hurt if you do this? You know, move your arm. And you're like, no. Okay. All right. Does it hurt if you do this? No. Does it hurt if you do this? Yes. Stop doing it. <laughs> it hurts. And they ask you all these weird questions. Okay. Does it hurt at night or in the morning? And does it hurt after? You're like, can you just fix me, please? But they don't know. You're a completely different person with an issue they've never heard of. They have to backtrack. They have to reverse engineer it because they know that the human body is not supposed to hurt when you move your arm a certain way. That's all they know. So they have to backtrack. When does it hurt? How does it hurt? Why does it hurt? How much does it hurt? Does it hurt all the time? Does it hurt in the morning or after rest or after work? Or they have to like figure it out. That's what they're doing is they know how the human body works in a perfect world Everything, every problem you bring to them, they have to backtrack to figure out why, because you're a completely different person. You haven't done the same thing as the last guy that came in with the same issue. You're not the same height, the same weight, the same age, the same anything. So they have to start over every time somebody walks in with a problem. Even if they've seen a thousand arms that hurt in the same place, they still have to backtrack and go, why? And that's how we need to treat our industry. Just because you have a doctorate in chimneys, you're still not going to know how to fix every chimney just by looking at it. You can't because every homeowner is different. Every mason was different. Every person that uses it is different. The weather is different. I had two homes one time built from the same builder in the same week. One And the chimneys were facing each other. The houses were mirror images. So as I'm on this chimney, I'm fixing it. I'm looking at it. Chimney's in great shape other than the liner. And we were there to do the liner. I'm like, oh, cool. Masonry's in good shape. Not much wear and tear. The one that I'm looking at directly facing me, every single brick and joint was popped in the thing and the crown was missing half of it. And I'm like, how is that possible? The same guy built these the same week, back to back. And they're the same age. Why is one of them completely shot and the other one just has a liner that's bad? And then I realized it's the way the sun is. The sun was hitting this one more, drying it out, where the other one stayed in shade longer and got wet and soaked. So just you can have the same exact builder and the same exact floor plan and the same exact house built by the same guy at the same exact time, and they're going to react different. They're going to have different end results based on use, based on location, based on a lot of different things. So you can't, you can't walk into every house and know the answer right away. There's no such thing. You have to show your work. You have to do the inspection. Even if you've seen broken liners every day for the last 30 years, you still have to run that camera. You still have to take the measurements. You still have to figure out why. Talk about what kind of wood they're using. Talk about the last time it was swept. Talk about a lot of things because every house is different, right? So if somebody 30 years in can't have all the answers right out, how are you going to expect somebody six months in or eight months in or one year in to know all the answers just because they passed the test? You can't. You can't. The only way to get good at being a chimney sweep is time being a chimney sweep. And what do you do with that time? Two things. You work every day. <laughs> That's it. You do the job. You see the job. You experience the job to know how to fix certain things, how to get out of certain issues. And the other thing is you educate yourself daily. I mean, daily. I have people ask me all the time, well, if I just go take this one class, will I be good at it? No, you won't. I'll tell you right now. The CSA has got courses on relinings. They get videos and, and uh, slideshows. And I know other certifications, other educational bodies do as well. Sitting through one class in one day, you'll never be an expert at lining. All they're doing is showing you the parts and applications. And if you do this and here's how you do that. But I can teach you how to break tiles. I have a, a chimney in my shop. We put fresh flue tiles in all the time. And then we show people how to break them out. And then I'll send you out to a job where it takes three turns and it changes sizes. 
you that one class isn't going to help you there. Just because you know the tools and you know how to do it, the only way to get that liner in is experience. That's the only way. I can show you to pour a crown. I can use the forms and I can show you the mixture. I can do it right. Now let me get you up there on a 12-pitch four-story roof in uh, the spring and let's see how you do it now. It's really easy to do when you're on the ground in a parking lot. Let's see you get the mortar up there. Let's see you get the scaffolding set up. Let's see you get to the opposite side of the chimney because it's exterior and you got to lean over and reach it. Like application matters. You, the circumstances matter. And just because I showed you how to do it in a parking lot does not make you an expert. And there's so many people in this industry that will tell you the opposite. I've been doing it for 30 years. Good. I've, I got certified 19. Great. I went to a class last year to learn. Good. Great. Show me your work. Show me how you do it. And now that you've shown me how to do it, do it on a four-story roof. Do it on a one-story roof. Do it from scaffolding. Do it from a boom lift. Do it in the cold. Do it in the rain. That's going to change everything. Show me on a house that was built by a good mason. Show me on a house that was built by a bad mason. Show me on a house that was built by the homeowner. <laughs> Everything's different. Show me on a house where it's been used every day for the last 20 years. Show me on a house that has never been used in the last 20 years. Show me on a house that's had a cap for the last 10. Show me on a house that has never been inspected since it was built. All of these repairs, all of these tricks, all of these things that you're learning mean nothing if you can't apply them in the field every day. And that takes experience. I can't stress that enough. The experience you get is what's going to make you great. Who you learn from is what's going to make you great. Doing it the right way repetitively is going to make you great. There's so many people out there that brag about their level of experience, myself being one of them. When I started my company, I've been doing this for five years and I'm certified. That's literally what I would say to every customer. I've been doing this for five years and I'm certified. I'm certified and I've been doing it for five years. I didn't learn from anybody that knew what he was talking about. I didn't. I wasn't educated and trained. I passed the test in a hotel room, right? I didn't know how to pull tiles. I didn't know I was supposed to insulate liners. I didn't know how to do it. So what did I do? Showed up to a house with glazed creosote and busted tiles and dropped a six-inch liner in. Next time I saw that liner, it was in a, uh, a yard with a dog peeing on it with a, a competing chimney sweep laughing at me. This stuff matters. I can't get it through enough. And I'm dealing with it now in my own company. With all of this experience and all of this knowledge and knowing how to do it, I'm now repeating the problem where I'm getting guys in and I'm training them on site in my training center and they they get hands-on and they learn how to do stuff. We put them out in the field. I put them with an experienced tech who's been certified and experienced. And I'm like, this is going to work. This is going to work. But then I get tied up in rushing. I get caught up in the, oh, wow. Well, if I put two more vans on the road this year, then I can. And now I'm trapped. Now I'm screwed. Because now that technician that needs at least two years in, but by my experience, at least two years before it clicks, I'm sending them out now to get certified after six months to running a van after eight. And then after a year, they're calling me going, I'm stuck. I can't figure this out. How do I do this? And that's my fault. Has nothing to do with the tech. So fast growth doesn't exist in this industry. Can't do it. I've been told for years, grow slow. Don't grow too fast. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. But I know better. I don't know better. You cannot rush technicians in this field. And on a side note, you've heard me say this a ton before as well. Just because you hire experience does not mean you're going to get anything good. I still see it. I put out podcasts, put out Facebook posts, talk to people, do classes on it. And I still see people day after day hiring experience, hiring you for certified, give you a raise. <laughs> if you're really good at your job and you're certified and you're educated and you're experienced, 
why'd they leave the other company? Sometimes people move. There's reasons, right? There's good reasons. They moved or company closed down or the boss wasn't the best. There's absolutely good reasons for that. The majority of the time, if you're in the middle of the busy season and there's an unemployed certified experience sweep that's knocking on your door for help, you need to dig a little deeper. You need to look into why. And then let's say you do hire him. What experience does he have? Who did he learn from? What are his habits? Are you going to have to retrain now? Because I'll tell you right now, retraining somebody else's bad habits is extremely, extremely difficult. I've had to do it for myself, and I've had to do it for at least three other technicians that have worked for other companies, came in with certifications and experience and all of this stuff, and I put them right to work just to watch them tear my company apart from the inside out with their terrible habits, terrible attitude, terrible culture. Experience is not gonna is not a good shortcut either. It's not what you think it is. The only way to get good at being a chimney sweep is to be a chimney sweep. I wish I had a better answer than that. The only way to get good at this job is to do it, is to study it daily, apply it daily, show your work, and continually educate yourself. Go to every class you can. Go to every convention you can. Go to every seminar you can. Get the online subscriptions. Go somewhere. Talk to people around you. Talk to sweeps in your area. That's another thing with my company I worked for before is there was no fellowship. There was no communication. There was no camaraderie. We were on an island. He didn't want to talk to other people. He told me, <laughs> actually, what he said was, I don't want them to know our secrets. And I'm like, our secrets? What are we hiding bodies or something? You got like money in it? Like what secrets? We're all using the same materials on the same appliances in the same homes with the same code book. There's no secrets. But that's the way he was. He was closed off. Once I started networking and talking to people like Steve Scally, like Matt Mayer, like Jesse Doucette, people in my area. Then I started branching out. And that's when I met the Mark Stoners and the Jasper Dringlers and the Chuck Halls. And that's where you get information from, is from sending a picture to somebody. Hey, Steve, I, I got this line of job and I have no idea what I'm doing. Can you help me out with it? Absolutely, I can. And he, Steve is always good for answering questions, giving me codes, giving me tips and tricks, even when I didn't know what I was doing. You have to have friends in this industry. You have to have competition too. It's not a bad thing to have competition because you're going to have good competition or bad competition. The bad competition does nothing but make you look better. Don't ever be upset at bad competition. Try to train them. Try to help them. I'm reaching out all the time to people in my area to go to classes and they still don't show up. Fine. Good competition grows you because now you have a model. Now you have somebody that's going to hold you accountable because if you're the one that's doing bad work and there's one in the area doing better work, make friends. Try to find out what they're doing different. Find out their quote-unquote secrets. I'm going to tell you what their secrets are. They're educated and they have experience. There it is. There's their secret. That's why they're doing better than you. Go make friends with them. The same way I reached out to Steve. Steve, I just saw your post about my liner on the ground. What did I do wrong? And now I'm here. Because That was my starting step. My starting step wasn't getting the job. My starting step wasn't getting certified. My starting step wasn't starting a business or going to school. The starting point for John Caesar and Caesar Chimney was reaching out and going, help me. And Steve's answer was the same one I'm giving you right now. You need to get education and you need to get experience. I thought I had both. I thought five years in with a certification was it. But the truth is I didn't have any education and the experience I had wasn't great. You've heard me say it before, just because you have 20 years of experience sometimes means you have one year of experience just repeated 20 times. That's not good, especially in an industry where it changes every year. Tools, codes, materials, everything. Everything's always changing. 20 years of doing the same thing every year 
you might need to, to to look at yourself in the mirror and go, let's let's go to a convention, let's go to a seminar, let's look at some classes, let's sign up for an online subscription, let's do something to see what I'm missing, because I guarantee you are. I see it all the time in the schools that I teach at the CSIA as well. I've seen a mixture of people come in. A lot of them are just technicians that have been in for a number of years. They're there to get certified. We love that. Then there's guys that come in and they've been doing it for 20 years and they'll say it like, I'm just here for the badge. I'm just here to get it because I need it. I'm like, okay, that's great. And through the entire class, they're the ones that have their arms folded because they know everything. They've been doing it a long time and they're just there to get the badge. And then by the end of it, every one of them will come up and shake their hands and say, thank you. I had no idea what I didn't know. Thank you. Happens every time. And then I've seen a lot of people come in too that they're just starting out. They have no experience in the trade and they come in and they want to get certified to start running their business. And I'll pull every one of them aside and say the same thing. This class one is going to blow your mind because there's a lot more to this trade than just running a brush. But there's a lot more to this trade than just taking this test. I'll be very honest with them. You need to get some experience. Find somebody in your area, find somebody around, work with them, talk to them, make friends with them, something. Because just taking this test and running out there and sweeping chimneys, you're going to have a hard go. I can guarantee that. Just because there's so much more to it. I talked to a bunch of industry leaders a couple of years ago about the fact that we need more sweeps in this trade. And we do. We need more people doing this job. There's not enough of us out there. The question that I came up with was, what does that look like? How? Like just saying we need more sweeps sounds like a good idea. But how? You get a brand new person in that's never done this job before. Do you just put them in charge of a business? I, I, I don't know how good that's going to go with no experience. How do you get experience? Well, you work for somebody else first. So what does that mean? We need more employees for the businesses we have. A lot of people in this industry don't like the sound of that. It sounds like building big business and sounds like, you know, they don't like it. And then at the same time, let's say that we're going to make more chimney sweeps by filling more companies with employees. Then what? They sign up with a company, work for them for three to four years, and then leave and start their own. Ooh, people don't like that either. There's no right answer. So how do you grow your company? How do you get into this industry? How do you become a good chimney sweep? I don't have an answer to that. I know we need more sweeps. And of the sweeps we have, I know we need more education. I don't see a problem with hiring somebody, training them, and then having them start their own business. I would be happy to do it for someone that wants to branch out and wants to have a good working relationship, but it hasn't happened to me yet. Every time somebody's left, it's been undercover and bad business. And I've heard the, the same from other people where people just leave under out from underneath them and steal customers. And it's not a good look. I just think we need to be better as an industry. We just need to help each other grow. There are so many chimneys out there that need work. There's way more than any one company can handle in a market or 10. I got 20. I've told you that before. I have 20 companies in my immediate market. And there's still more chimneys than we can handle. I don't want all of them. <laughs> we can't handle them. Nobody can. We need more education. We need more experience in this industry so that we can grow and provide a better service to our customers. This isn't about my wallet. It's not shouldn't be about yours either. This is about the customer. At the end of the day, it's their safety. When we leave their home, they're either going to put a fire in their living room or they're going to run toxic gases through their bedrooms. That's what we do. Treat it like that. This is not about making more money and keeping it all for ourselves. This is about helping the people we serve. And we can only do that if we know what the hell we're talking about. And no, the customer, the homeowner does not care what stickers on your shirt. They might not even ask you if you have one. That's not what it's for. The certification is for you. 
Your education is what matters. They don't care what you have on your sleeve. They care how well you know your job. And if you walk in having passed a test in a hotel room or studied for a week and then took a quick easy test and now you're going to call yourself an expert, be careful you don't burn somebody's house down. Well, I don't want to end on that note, but I don't have anywhere else to go. I apologize, man. I, I feel like I've gone from being like helpful and advising to just miserable, but I don't know if it's being sick for the last four weeks or what, or dealing with uh, just a lot of the issues I'm talking about here. Like I, I pushed too fast, too hard, put people out there, told them they were experienced when they probably shouldn't have been. And I'm, I'm reevaluating. Uh, like I talked about my New Year's resolutions episode, that's what I do this time of year is I look at what went wrong. How do we fix it? What went wrong this year is I had a bunch of people out there that uh, I kind of pushed out too soon for my own gain. And that's on me. I've already told all the employees this myself and we're doing the, we're taking the right steps to correct it, but I'm trying to save you from making that same mistake. Take this job seriously. I love this industry. I love this company. I love this trade. It can do amazing things, but not if we fight each other, not if we, uh, we go out there half cocked and uh, that's not going to help anybody. So I'll try to get in a better mood and try to not have such miserable content, but uh, hopefully this helped you and uh, you got a lot of information out of it. Thank you for lending me your ears, and I will see you next week.